These are the things I learned during the 45th week of 2010, November 7th through November 13th. November 7th. Broadcast's deterioration in performance is probably because it's been on 24-7 for five years straight. I feel the need to explain this one. When I say broadcast, I mean the Power Macintosh computer that we had connected to the outgoing feed for the TV station, which was basically broadcasting videos day and night for 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We were experiencing issues where it would just perform poorly, it would hang up and crash, it would kernel panic, it would do all kinds of strange things, and I believe after doing some log research and physical hardware research and forensics, all that kind of stuff, I came to the conclusion this poor computer is just beat. It's run its course, it's aged out, and if it continues to run, we will just continue to have these unexplainable hardware failures, and we really should be replacing this machine. Sometimes that's just how it goes. Computers can age out, particularly if you have issues where maybe capacitors blow or certain electrical anomalies occur. It just happens. It happens with electronics, and you just have to be prepared to accept the realities. November 8th. More motion stuff. So this is another one that's kind of a cop-out. I basically learned more Apple motion things on this day. As to what they were, unfortunately that knowledge may be lost to time. I just know that around this time during this year I was getting into Apple Motion more for my videos in terms of adjusting color or overlaying effects, any kind of manner of things like that, and this was just another step in the path to learning motion. I really wish I wrote down more as in terms of what I learned about motion this day, I guess I was feeling lazy this day, so unfortunately I can't say much more about this one. November 9th. Bubbles can bounce off of hard surfaces, apparently. So this one might be more of a case of the type of bubble that is in the air and colliding with said surface, and it's not necessarily true for all bubbles and all surfaces, naturally. I did a little bit of research on this particular topic to kind of maybe explain what actually happens. The short of it is, I will quote an article here, Bubbles made from hot soapy water pop quickly because some of the liquid water changes into water vapor. However, there are ways to thicken bubbles and slow down how quickly the liquid evaporates. You can even make bubbles strong enough to bounce on a surface rather than pop. So it really has to do with more just the composure of said bubble rather than the surface that it hits. And not all bubbles are going to survive all surfaces, of course, because they are bubbles. Bubble, bubble, bubble. November 10th. There's an extensive diagnostics partition on most Dell computers. I guess at the time I wasn't aware that Dell computers have <gasps> diagnostics. Whether it be on the hard drive or as part of the BIOS, and computers have evolved so much since 2010 in terms of their firmware, it might just be on board or it might be a partition on the drive depending on the era we are discussing. Not every computer is going to contain a diagnostic hard drive partition, but maybe it is on the BIOS as a firmware feature. 
and Dell usually is fairly consistent in their implementations. And depending on how much of a consumer computer versus an enterprise computer the Dell system is, you may get more or less diagnostic features. Who'd have thought it? Not me, apparently. At least not in 2010. November 11th, make a wish. Having a lot of daisy chain to BNC monitors degrades the quality. BNC is largely an analog signal. You can compare it to RGB or the signal that you plug into the back of your NES or SNES. There's a lot of specific details that you can research and go into on your own time. But BNC is the protocol for broadcast TV. I actually do not specifically recall if it is used for HD. It might not be. You know what? Ignore me. We'll keep this in the context of 2010. But if you daisy chain a lot of BNC monitors, you're going to have a degradation in quality on each PVM as you go down the chain because that just makes sense. Unless the signal is recalculated and reboosted, you are going to receive more noise and more loss of general display properties and artifacting, and it's an analog signal that slowly peters out as it goes down the chain. Adding more monitors is not going to help you with that. November 12th. HD video takes a hell of a long time to export. Let me take you back to the time when computers were early to mid-generation Intel Macs, or you still had Power Macintosh G5s hanging around. And guess what couldn't handle HD video all that well? Power Macintosh G5s and Intel Macs if they weren't specced correctly. At the place I was working at, the student TV station, we were largely a PowerPC Mac shop still at the time. We were trying to get together a purchase order to buy all new generation Intel Macs, but we were limping along with Power Mac G5 towers, the big 50-pound aluminum boxes that ran up the electric bill and required an air conditioner in the office just to keep them cool. And oh boy, could they not really handle HD video all that well. They could certainly try, and they would happily attempt to render it, but you'd be sitting there for quite a while, expending lots of electricity, heat, and time just to get HD video exported. We were trying to switch to HD more and more with our Canon EOS 7D, as opposed to our standard definition Panasonic cameras with the DV tape technology. It was a slow transition, and the pain points of HD video exporting on legacy hardware became immediately apparent. Nowadays, you could probably simulate the experience by trying to export 4K on hardware that was made in the 2010s. And finally, November 13th. How to make BNC and RCA cables. This was a fun hardware exercise. At the TV station, we were kind of having a powwow with someone who was very experienced in how to make custom BNC and RCA cables and how to crimp them. And we just sat around and made a few because we needed some new ones for whatever it was we were using it for, or possibly it was to replace some broken ones that had gotten run over by a chair or something because we were a college TV station where chaos was sometimes the norm. I believe it was similar to the way you would make a coax cable, almost. It's been a long time since I've made one of these. Cables I usually crimp these days are Ethernet. But I remember the crimper was kind of scary. BNC is kind of pointy in general. It's not really that hard to do, though. For a few years there, I did know how to make and crimp RCA and BNC cables. Woohoo.
those were the things I learned during the 45th week of 2010. Thank you very much for listening. If you feel this content was worth your while, please feel free to leave a rating and subscribe to the podcast if you want more. Catch you next time.